I'm really excited. It's great what God uh, is doing. And, uh, and the other exciting thing that I have the privilege of doing uh, today is uh, introducing our speaker for today, who is our new associate minister, um, the Reverend Mark Bishop. Uh, we are so excited to have Mark with us. Uh, it's amazing the way that God is raising people up uh, throughout this congregation, others who are landing here, others who are launching to do different things. It's amazing that God is on the move, and uh, we're excited that Mark and Carrie have recently joined us to be a part of what God is doing in this place. So can we hear it for Mark as he comes to continue speaking to us about our vision? Thanks, mate. Wow. Thank you. No pressure. Um, well, this is a real privilege. I just need to warn you that I was in the nine o'clock service this morning and Adele preached. I don't know if Adele's... Is Adele here? Yeah. And honestly, God was really just doing something really special this morning and it really wrecked me. So I feel a bit dehydrated because I've been crying quite a lot. And um, <laughs> so I uh, just want to be honest with you from the very beginning. Um, my name is Mark. Uh, it, it, it feels a great honor to be here, to be able to... Um, not just speak this morning and share, uh, but also to be beginning living life with you all. Uh, because that is what we're doing, isn't it? You know, great, I, I mean, buildings, I was going to say I love buildings, but actually I'm not even sure about that. But, um, uh, but, you know, buildings, respect to buildings, respect to the Church of England. I've been ordained 11 years, you know, all of that stuff. feel called to the Church of England. Uh, but I feel called primarily to follow Jesus. Number one, I love him first. And, uh, and I love being part of the people of God who are his bride and his church. And uh, so in that context, because we are all in it together, I'm really excited to be able to begin to share. And what a privilege to be able to come in and speak into uh, uh, my kind of initial take, you know, um, on making disciples, which is the kind of first of the trifold St. Paul's vision, which you know better than I do, uh, make disciples, transform communities, plant churches. But actually, I feel like I do know it quite well, because this is the call on the church, uh, to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus, to be contagious in that to the extent that we see transformation happen, and uh, to see the church planted, and, and see God grow the church. And you guys have an amazing history, heritage. I don't know how well you know that. There obviously will be some of you here, and you know it so well. You know the joys of it. You know the pain of it. You know the gain, the loss. You know the, the generosity that is needed to be able to send people out to be planted in new places. But also, there will be some of you here today, and you don't really know anything about that. And, uh, and you're thinking, oh, Hang on, this is, a, this, is, this is the place I've just come to, and now they're gonna, I'm literally about to start talking about uh, what it means to go to loads of other places. <laughs> so I'll just warn you, that's my like, kind of you know, uh, warning, um, but, uh, but I just also um, encourage you, whether you've been in this for the longest time and you have the deepest track record, or whether this is brand new to you, Jesus calls us into movement. He calls us into something that actually can never stand still until we see the new heavens and the new earth come. The place where there will be no more death, no more tears, no more pain. But until then, there's quite a job that we're involved with. 
And when you come into relationship with Jesus and you start following him, uh, actually you're getting recruited into the Jesus movement, which is the body of Christ across the world, 2.2 billion Christians across the world, uh, who are all in some way being activated by God. And when uh, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, then we're being prepared. We're being made um, fertile ground. What does that feel like last week uh, preaching? You know, we're being made fertile ground so that we can go and bear fruit. So, I just, I just warn you that uh, we found out that this slips on the wood here, this whiteboard. So, if it falls down and it takes me out, I guess we'll just treat that as an act of God. I don't know if you guys can see it. You might have to you might have to kind of crane round. It's not going to have loads of important information, but it will have some things. It's probably more for my benefit than for yours, actually, I realize. Um, I, I just want to start by um, writing a few names up here. Again, forgive my writing. Uh, just uh, a shout out. This is my mum and dad, Jeff and Karen Bishop. Um, and uh, I was born in Barnstable in North Devon. And uh, my parents were a part of a Christian community down there, so I was born into the church straight away. And then uh, later on, my, my family moved up to a place called Scarborough in North Yorkshire. And I did a lot of my, most of my growing up there. I was at school there. Uh, and anybody who's got Yorkshire, kind of any, anywhere vague Yorkshire allegiances, you know, uh, then just a big shout out to you guys. Um, it's hard in London being a Yorkshire person. No, um, <laughs> but so uh, as much as I have, I feel like I have all this heritage uh, of places that I've lived or that my parents come from. Um, it is a great privilege also to have moved around a bit. But I moved to Scarborough, and I remember when I was seven years old, walking into the kitchen in uh, our house then, and asking my mum uh, if I could know Jesus for myself. Amazing. Like, I mean, I still, I ha literally have the memory of it, and I still kind of think about that memory, and I'm like, wow, what was going on? That is amazing. Now, it feels like part of somebody else's testimony, really. But I did, and my mum prayed for me, and uh, when I was very young, I had real experiences of the Holy Spirit. Again, I don't know whether you've experienced the Holy Spirit in different ways or whether you haven't, um, but I, without any kind of... Um, you know, bad, bad experience. I just experienced some amazing things of uh, what the Holy Spirit was doing. Actually, not in the local church that my parents went to, but at big summer festivals that they used to go to as well. And, um, and that was a, a huge privilege. But by the time that I was 11, and I was obviously a very mature 11-year-old, um, uh, I decided that it was great and you could experience God. God was real, and Jesus was who he said he was in the Bible, but actually it was impossible to live this stuff out. So from that moment on, I also had an older sister, so uh, in fact I should put her down here, um, called Emma, um, who I'd love dearly. And we kind of, she's two years older than me, and I think basically we kind of decided together that church was boring, so we just wouldn't go anymore. And we made this stand against my mum and dad. And, uh, and my mum and dad said, we expected, you know, you will come. You will come to church on a Sunday. Uh, but my mum and dad said, okay, that's your decision. And that was it. I realize now how calm they looked on the service, but how much must have been going on underneath them, underneath all of that. So I'm not saying that that's what has to be done, but that's what they chose at that point. And I didn't go back to church until I was 23. 
I came and went a little bit. I actually did go to some summer festivals. I still had profound experiences of God during that time. But my main experience of faith during that time was, yeah, it's, it's God's real. Jesus is who he says he was, but it, I don't know how to live this out. I don't even know if it's possible. And, um, and actually, I, I was a real prodigal. That's why I wept this morning, because Adele was speaking out of Luke 15 and, you know, the lost sheep coin son. And I was totally the, a lost son. I had, I had taken the inheritance that I had from my, my folks and from God, and I, had, and I kind of went, okay, I'm just going to go over here and do this thing over here. And, and, the, and the ways of the world, you know, me and my mates, we, we were having lots of fun, but we were just following whatever we wanted and doing whatever we wanted. And it got me into trouble and all that kind of stuff, um, which I won't go into detail. I'll save that for the six o'clock service um, if you want to come and hear the juicy details. No. Um, and... Um, uh, and I was lost. I was lost. And, um, and then I think when I was about kind of 16, 17, I had an, and I had an experience where some people prayed for me. Um, and actually it was profound because I'd gone for about six, seven years of refusing to let anybody pray for me. Um, and that was because uh, I have eczema, which uh, is like largely very manageable, um, but is, I've had since I was little. And... Um, and that had, that had meant for me a huge struggle with like, my own body image and also my own experience of what it means to be prayed for for healing. Because I'd been prayed for a lot and I wasn't healed. And, um, and so when I was 16, I did accept prayer and some people prophesied over me and I was petrified. And so I ran away again. This time not so much as a prodigal son but more as Jonah. Right? I was like, I am not going to those people and telling them about Jesus. I am petrified. And I ran away uh, into uh, arts, because I love the arts, and um, I loved taking photos. I was taking photos and went on to do an arts degree and stuff like that. But also into lots of the lifestyle things and uh, various substances and habits around that uh, that were toxic. But weirdly, also, were... were surrounded by very beautiful community. Broken community, but, but community. People who loved me, and I loved them, and I still do. And so my, uh, my journey led me off again. And then when I was 22 in Sheffield, at Sheffield Hallam University, um, I had an experience in the, in the middle of the night. Uh, it didn't wake me up because I was basically used to stay awake at night and then sleep during the day. Um, I heard a voice saying, it's time to come back now, Mark. <laughs> I've been sharing this story for like 10 years and every time. <laughs> Let me just distract myself for a minute, because <laughs> these are going to be part of the story as well. <laughs> um, and I knew it was God's voice, cutting through everything, speaking to me. I don't know if you've ever had an experience like, like that. I count it a privilege that I, I had that experience. And um, so I, I hold it valuably, you know. Um, but I know that God does that. Time and time and time again. He comes after us. You know, my experience, he hunts you down. <laughs> Other people's experience, he tenderly comes and embraces you. And um, he comes as we need, as we like, as he knows we need, right? Not because he's dodgy and he appears in different ways, but because he knows us 
And he, and he cares about that, that moment of when we are called again. And he has that for other people. So I am, you know, mildly obsessed with the fact that the Bible is a, a disciple-making, like, um, story. And more than that, it's like a manifesto, you know, for the, for the church. And so out of my story comes this other story. There are these names. There are some others. I'm probably going to forget some, which is really, like, going to sound really bad when I tell you, but it's only just because I'm speaking and trying to think about all of the different things at once, which happens when you stand up here in front of lots of people. Um, <laughs> but uh, these people, my mum and dad, my sister, um, this is Carrie, my wife, uh, who comes into the story kind of later. Um, there was also another Tim here. Um, who else was there? There were so many kind of amazing people. Um, yeah, there was Simon. Not this Simon. These are... These are people who are part of my story. I'm not going to tell you about them all. I could preach 10 sermons about each of them, but um, they are people who discipled me. Some of them really overtly. They invited me into what I would consider like a kind of relationship where they were saying, yeah, I'll teach you some stuff about what I think I know, what God's told me. And others who, um, who deci have discipled me just because they have loved me and walked with me, and they totally have taught me. You know, Carrie, my wife, I mean, marriage is maybe one of the most, you know, kind of interesting and um, uh, amazing discipling relationships that you will have. I wonder who is on your list I wonder if you have a list. I wonder if you've ever thought about that before. Who are the people who have really discipled me? I wonder who you'd like to be on your list. <laughs> I imagine there are people who you would like to be on there. You might not be able to know them personally, but who've also influenced you, teachers, uh, people who have, uh, whose books you've read or what have you. But I also want to ask you this question. Who's, whose list are you on? I actually stole this illustration from a, 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 a lad that I discipled, it was part of discipling, and he sent me this, this talk that he did, <laughs> and um, he was like, just look out for the names, and there was my name, and I was thinking, oh, that must have been some, another mark, but uh, I mean, it was just the biggest privilege, I was like, oh my word, this is huge, you know, and he was speaking to a lot more people than I am today. Um, and I felt really honored by that. But I think it's such a key question, whether it gets announced or not. Whose list are you on? And also, whose list are you going to be on? Now, let's just do a little bit of, uh, I should really refer to the Bible, shouldn't I, just so that you know that I'm kosher. That's a biblical, is it, it's a biblical concept, kosher. Um, <laughs> uh, I'd like you to read with me um, uh, a verse from Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. This is page 946 if you want to have it in, in the pew Bibles, as it were, the chair Bibles. This is the very end of Matthew's gospel. And um, this is the Great Commission. So chapter 28 from verse 16. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 
When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Well, discipleship is everywhere in the Bible. We get, we get the, the phrase from the word disciple, uh, which is there in the Greek, and actually was just there in the culture uh, of Jesus' day. He used to get called rabbi as well. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but, um, which meant teacher. And rabbis were people in the Jewish community who people would follow around. And the people who followed them around, who were trying to learn about what they were teaching, were called disciples. Uh, and in fact, they used to kind of have comments about how dusty the face of the disciples of that rabbi were, according to how closely they were following them. Because they were literally people who were trying to be in the steps of the rabbi, uh, getting the dust that kicked up from their feet. So in lots of ways, when Jesus called the first disciples, they probably kind of had some vague idea of what it meant for them to follow him. Oh, he has a set of teaching, I should really follow him. But actually, Jesus kind of both adopts what was already kind of in the Jewish teaching culture then, but also he kind of just, like, puts a bomb in it and explodes it. Because he calls people who no one else would have called. And then he takes the very thing that made them marginalized, their trade, their status, And he brings that into the forefront and he tells them, I'm going to use that very thing to make you people who change the world. You fishermen over there, you two, yeah, you, come over here. In fact, you know, come follow me. When Jesus first calls the disciples, he uses that phrase, come follow me. Uh, Also just means, come now. And so he, he says that. And in those words... Something happens in the hearts of those disciples, and, and they come and they follow him, and then he honors them. I will make you fishers of men. He takes the very thing that actually at that moment they were struggling with. I love it in a couple of the Gospels where it highlights the fact that the disciples were either mending their nets or they'd come back having caught nothing. And it's interesting that in the Great Commission, you know, the first verse of that kind of section when Jesus is coming to meet with the disciples, he meets them in their place of doubt in the Great Commission. It says that. Some doubted. But also, right at the beginning, he meets them in their place of shame, essentially. They've got holes in their nets. You know? They can't, not very, they're not catching properly. <laughs> they're not out with everybody else, like, kind of catching all the fish. They're the ones there going, oh, I, I think I might have left a hole in my net. And Jesus calls these people, which I think is incredibly encouraging, (laughs) because it means that for the likes of us, who might be really good 99% of the time, but have a part that, that also feels like a failure or feels ashamed or feels like I've tried it once, but it didn't, didn't work, or, or feels like somebody else is better, than, better at this than me, which is a lot of what our culture teaches us. Jesus calls us. He calls us to be disciples, 
people who follow him. That says, come follow, for those who can't read my writing. But here is the, here's, here's the problem for us, okay? It's, it's actually quite easy to meet Jesus. But to follow him is, is actually quite difficult. It's actually quite easy to encounter God. Go and talk to loads of different people. I bet you most of them will say they've met God in some way, shape, or form. But it's actually very hard to follow God. And Jesus calls us to be disciples, to follow him in the wake of, his, of the dust that he kicks up with his feet. And also with, then with his disciples, he called them alongside him. Come, be yoked with me. Be alongside me. Be attached to me. Let me show you how to do this in the best way possible. But then in the Great Commission, he just raises the bar again and he pushes the disciples out just as he ascends into heaven. And he says, go, go make disciples of all nations or tribes. That word means the ethne word. Nations is ethne in the Greek and it means tribes. Go and make disciples of all the tribes, all the groups. And so we're left with a problem because that's difficult. <laughs> because all of those other people are not like us. You know, and you might sit here and you might think, oh, I'm like this, but all of those other people in this room are not like me. Well, that's true on a level. Like, thank the Lord that we're all different. But also, when we come into contact with Jesus, he gives us the ability to go as these people who have dropped all of the other things that might identify us as different. Even nationality, he calls us to, to leave behind at some point. Not discard totally, but, but not let it be in front of Jesus. And we become defined by this man who we discover is God incarnate. And he allows us to then share his good news, him, with other people. And so we, we find that we are part of this movement, disciples who are called to make other disciples. And in that way, we are called to be a movement. Now, the thing with movements is that they are challenge, they're inspiring, but they're challenging. Uh, I, I did a little bit of maths, and I'm not very good at maths, so I hope this is right. Is there anybody who's really good at maths in this room? I need to kind of get you to do some work for me. I, I'm pretty sure this is right. But I worked out that, that if 50 people, so I'm, I'm going to say that's actually probably, um, we're a little bit more than that, so we would make more bigger figures than this. But if we all today made, went away and made a plan, and then next year we all committed to discipling two people each, just two people each, and then you never have to do it again, right? That's my, that's my kind of incentive for you because that's often the problem. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'd like to do it once, but I'm not sure I've got energy to do it a lot of times. Um, uh, just two people next year, right? All of us. All of us. But here's the caveat. We have to teach them how to then the next year all go and disciple two other people. Yeah? And that means that then when they've discipled their two, their two also know how to go the next year and disciple two more. Right? So everybody is in the business of discipling. It's not like we, it was us and then the others didn't know. It's like we teach them how to do that, right? If that happens... Then, year one, it's us. Well, 
I mean, for me, I'm just really enjoying to get to know you all, so this is great. Uh, year two, 150 people. That's pretty cool. That's nice, yeah. Uh, this is just us. This is not the other services, just because they, they can do this as well, right? Uh, which is going to be great, because it just boosts this thing. Year five, all of Shadwell, the ward of Shadwell, would have been discipled. Year 13, so a little bit of space in between the ward of Shadwell and uh, year 13. Year 13, the whole of Tower Hamlets. Done. Discipled. Year 18, notice that the gaps are getting smaller now. London. Done. 10 million. Year 21, the whole of the UK. Year 24, Europe. The whole of Europe. Year 28, that's it, the world, it's discipled. All of that happens if we decide that next year we just disciple two people and we feed them and we give them the ability to go and disciple two more people in the way of Jesus. And that's it, 28 years later, we're done. You know, all try, that would be all try, that would be fulfillment of the Great Commission. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a good incentive, isn't it? You know, like, yeah, I, I think that's it. And I think that's within a lifetime. I mean, that's within a lifetime, isn't it? That's, uh, that's amazing. The problem is that it doesn't always quite work like that. Actually, discipleship is everywhere. And we live in an age where actually through advertising and marketing and the rise of new media, we are very sophisticated at what it means to create followers and disciples. That doesn't just mean that you're good at doing it on social media or, or in other kind of spheres. It, it means that our whole society is geared to invite you into things to follow. Places to give your allegiance, products to be known by, subcultures to be defined by. Discipleship is, is everywhere. So actually, the question is not really, are you a disciple? It's like, who are you following? And the problem is that we're all following a load of different things. Some of that is more overtly, like, toxic to us. Some of that is, is very subtle. And, and some of it we do just because those people around us are doing it too. You know, environments disciple us. The places we live, like, disciple us. They, they, they condition us. They try it. They teach us certain things. That's why I love, I've lived in, in like, um, council estates for, I don't know, like a decade or so now. And um, uh, London council estates specifically, which have their own kind of specific thing. And I, I love the joy of seeing people break out of what the environment is trying to teach them to, to be. And I think that is what God wants us to do. He, 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 he really, when he says, come follow us, he, just, he asks us for, his elite, like us for our allegiance to him. It's not just like, yeah, I, I believe in this. It's like, I, I want to learn how to put this first. This Jesus, this person. You know, we're, like, there's a whole load of other stuff. I think, obviously, this is a subject that goes deep. 
And part of my kind of pledge to you this year is that like, I will try and kind of um, uh, make sure that there's loads of other ways that we can think about this. You know, not just through preaching, uh, not just through living it out, but so that we can read about it, talk about it, and go deeper into what it means to disciple people. But I, I think that the, the issue of, of our own barriers to it, where we feel like we're not good enough to be able to go and do this, actually is the thing that is really important to start with. And I think sometimes that is because of the fact that we're ashamed of like either stuff that we've done or who we are. Oh, I don't have a testimony like that person or whatever, it, you know, all those things. And, G- and Jesus, I think, just is amazing because he comes to us and he says, I, I am not ashamed of you. No, I am not ashamed of you. For some of us, it's, it's just out and out like habits where we miss the mark. You know, sin just means miss the mark. And we miss the mark with like, we do that physically and mentally in so many different ways. Some of us, we, we're just like trapped. We're like, well, I'm bad because I keep on doing this thing. You know, Phil said it last week. Jesus says, I'm not angry. God says, I'm not angry with you. In fact, more than that, he says, I forgive you. I died for you. I died to cover your shame. I died to cover your sin, the places where you missed the mark. For some of us, it's pain, right? We've experienced stuff that makes us go, oh, I don't have the strength for this anymore. But Jesus comes and he says, get, get up. Wait, come on, get up with me. Come Come follow me. You know that amazing parable where the, um, the, the paralytic has a, a bunch of mates who break through a roof and then lower him down so he can meet Jesus. And he just says, get up. Pick up your mat and, and come. Come follow me. Th- that's not because the pain doesn't matter. It's, be- it's because we're all... We all need to learn to follow Jesus, even with the limps, you know? I don't pray for people for healing because I think that it works every time, but because I know that it works sometimes, and I know that, that if we limp together, we can offer that together. Not out of a place of power, of our own power, but out of a place of the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's, uh, let's finish. Uh, this, is, um, this is the finishing act. I know this might feel a bit strange. Uh, believe me, you know, I'm English and I feel strange most of the time. Uh, but would you do me the grace of, uh, of going with this? Because I think it just could be really profound for us. Um, would you come and stand up here? Some people just stand kind of on the edge here and others just stand up here. I'm not going to like make you dance or jump around. You don't even have to talk to the other people around you at this point if you don't want to. But just come and stand like up here, all of us. If you really don't want to, you don't have to. I'm not going to force anybody, obviously. You, you can sit and kind of watch what happens. It doesn't matter if this is the first time you've come to St. Paul's. This is only my second time, so... This is what it means to go and make disciples of all nations. 
because you heard the gospel once through somebody and you've been shaped by it. You are not just a passenger on a plane. You are a bird set free into the world to go and make your nest and invite other people to come and know this Jesus that you know. This is not about a top-down set of instructions. This is about the very grassroots of how we're made as human beings. You are the image of God. And it is a privilege to be here. And I'm doing this because so often even the way that we sit and meet can make us think that we're, oh, it's it's about those people, not about us. I just wanted to make sure today that we all know, I include myself in this, but I've had my time up there today, uh, that, that this is about all of us. That you have something in you that could uniquely lead somebody else into the fullness of life that we can experience in Jesus Christ. And for those people, it will have eternal significance as it does for us. So, Lord Jesus, thank you that you have called us your body, your people. Thank you that we are loved by you, called by you. That even if, we're, if we've been a long way off, or we are in our hearts still, you come after us. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done amongst us here at St. Paul's Shadwell as it is in heaven, and in Shadwell as it is in heaven, and in Tower Hamlets as it is in heaven, and in London, and in the UK, and in Europe, and across the whole world, Lord Jesus, your kingdom come, and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.